Welcome to the Grow Bold with Disability podcast, brought to you by Ferros Care, a podcast dedicated to smashing stereotypes and talking about the things people with disability care about most, to help us live bolder, healthier, better connected lives. I'm journalist Pete Timms. And I'm Tristan Peters. I work for Disability Service Directory Clickability and am a wheelchair user living with spinal muscular atrophy. Today's episode of Grow Bold with Disability is growing bold and mental health. And our guests are Patrice O'Brien, Beyond Blue's Chief Community Officer, and Danny DeToro, six-time Paralympian representing Australia in wheelchair tennis. And she's also won 10 Aussie Open titles and a bunch of Grand Slam crowns. In this episode, we'll discuss the difference between mental health and mental illness and attempt to discover why people with disability are more likely to experience higher levels of psychological distress than those without disability. Patrice and Danny, welcome to Grow Bold with Disability. Thanks so much for having us. Thanks for having us, boys. So, Patrice and Danny, before we start, let's get a little bit of background on both of you. First off, Danny, uh, you're co-captain of the Australian Paralympic team, have represented Australia at the Games and not one but two different sports tennis more recently, table tennis, which is an incredible feat. Uh, can you share a little bit of your story with us? Yeah, thanks. That just makes me sound super old. Um, so, yeah, <laughs> I am super old, let's be fair. Um, yeah, so I kind of, you know, just typical, grew up as a kid out in the southeast suburbs in Victoria, heaps into sport, um, really just across all stuff. Uh, I had an accident when I was 13. I had a brick wall fall on top of me at a swimming carnival. It, it, it broke my spine and um, it put me uh, in the spinal unit at, uh, at the Austin Hospital and, you know, I'd never met anyone in a wheelchair. I'd never met anyone with a disability. And it was a really, um, it was an interesting time. I was 13 and, and my family, there was a lot of impacts across, you know, our whole our whole community. But I was incredibly blessed to have Sandy Blythe as my recreational officer. Um, f- for those who are kind of into sport, he's a he's a total legend within the community. And um, But he was the rec officer there and he just kind of showed me what's possible you know he led this incredible independent life and it changed well I guess it allowed me to see what's possible and and to kind of reach for those things in myself and you know went on to do a lot of stuff within um the sporting world but also just really balance that with with work um particularly in in community service and and more recently working within Paralympics Australia in a bit of a welfare role where um, we're just kind of supporting our athletes who are, who are currently competing as well as those who've retired to pretty much just get the best out of their every day. Yeah, nice one. And Patrice, now you've been with Beyond Blue since I think 2014. Um, t- tell us a little bit, little bit about your role there and actually what Beyond Blue does. Yeah, sure. Um, so yeah, that's right. I've, um, I've been at Beyond Blue since 2014 and it's a uh, it's an incredible job. I can't really imagine what I'll do next. But for people who don't know, um, Beyond Blue is a national not-for-profit organisation and our vision is for all people in Australia to achieve their best possible mental health. So we aim to really work closely with the community to um, improve mental health and really importantly to prevent suicide. And we do that by providing a range of tools and resources and support services to people um, across sort of all of the, the mental health continuum. So from people who are doing really well and we want to keep people, you know, being well and thriving all the way through to people who are really struggling with their mental health and need some more support. Um, my role is uh, Chief Community Officer, which means that I oversee a whole range of our community programs. 
um, both where we work directly with the community and then we've got programs focusing on um, people at work, people in education and, and also people at home because, you know, mental health is, is everywhere that we are. So, um, yeah, across lots of um, really exciting parts of what we do at Beyond Blue. And Patricia, you mentioned mental health there. Broadly speaking, what is it exactly? What, what is mental health? Yeah, great question. And I think um, this is one of the things that can be often really misunderstood because I think often when we use the term mental health, what people are actually trying to say is mental ill health. Um, so the way I like to look at it is mental health is the same as physical health and we all have mental health. Um, the same way that we all have physical health and it and it exists on, I just mentioned that continuum it exists on a bit of a um, continuum so mental health is really a state of wellness where we're able to you know really thrive and to be well um, but sometimes we get that terminology confused and we say mental health when we actually mean we're not thriving and we're not well and we're not um, at our best and when I talk about that continuum, it's like if you think about someone who's um, really mentally well, you can think about it as like a traffic light system. So they might be at the green end of the continuum and that's when you're sort of really well on top of your game, you wake up in the morning and you're ready to face the day, you've had a good sleep, you're not getting any sort of negative thoughts intruding. And then if people aren't doing so well, they can gradually move into sort of the, the amber part of the continuum and that might be where you're starting to have some sort of nagging doubts or some intrusive thoughts. You might be sort of questioning yourself a bit. You might find that you're kind of turning to alcohol or other drugs to get through. You're not managing to sleep as well. You're getting a bit disconnected from your community and then it can move from there to the kind of red end of the continuum and that's where people are becoming really unwell and, and really need some support. So what's the difference between mental health and mental illness? So with mental illness, it's, um, again, if you use that physical health analogy, I think it really helps. So, you know, we can be, we can be really, we can have really good physical health. Um, but then if we, I don't know, if we have like a really bad few weeks at work and, we've worked too much and um, we haven't done enough exercise and we've fallen into a bit of a bad habit of getting Uber Eats every night and not eating the best diet, even though we're really mentally well, we can, you know, sorry, we're really physically well normally, we can become unwell. Um, so mental illness is, is the same kind of thing. So on that mental health continuum, um, when people actually get to a point where it's more than just that kind of moving up and down that continuum that we all do a little bit every day and when people actually have a diagnosable um, mental health condition, that's when it moves into mental illness. And in terms of what that looks like, that's usually when some of these signs and symptoms persist for longer than four weeks and we can't shake it. And that's when we have to start to say, okay, hold on, is there something a bit more going on here is this not me just you know feeling a bit flat um, because of what's going on in my life and and is there actually something going on here that I need some treatment for 
Absolutely. And you I love the the continuum there. That's a really great way to to envisage it. And um, in terms of a, ABS stats from 2019, it says that generally adults with disability are more likely to experience high or very high levels of psychological distress than those without disability. Um, Danny, do you have any idea of, about why that might be? Why do we think this is? Well, I'm certainly not an expert in this field, but um, definitely the work that I do and the work that I've done on myself, I think as humans, like each and every one of us, whether you've got a disability or not, like we all want to be happy. We all want to be um, living a life that's free from suffering. And I think in order to do that, the things that we look for are things around purpose and community. And when you think about how we live like purposeful, meaningful lives, there's no doubt that people with disability, that's a real challenge for so many within our community. And there's lots of barriers. There's lots of reasons why those things become really problematic. And you don't have to look too far. You know, our <laughs> the unemployment rates for people with disability are twice as high as anyone without a disability. Um, just generally as such reduced choices for people living with a disability. And while they're around employment, they're also around just getting amongst community, like being able to access places. Um, lots of stuff. You know, when you talk about, gosh, trauma, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I guess the commission's kind of really shown that, like the rates of physical, sexual, mm. financial abuse for so many within our community. And that becomes a problem. There are so many things that so many people with disability are experiencing on a daily level um, that really impact this stuff. And, you know, being active, like they've just came through with some of those results around people with disability are amongst the least active within um, the Australian community. And, and exercise is part of it. Like I've used sport as a way to not just like improve my mental health but to connect with community and I'm not talking about everyone needing to get onto the Paralympic team but being um, physically active and kind of having a group of people that you're able to connect with and knowing your own passion and knowing your purpose like we all need a reason to set an alarm and I think that's really important and there's lots of ways to do that and when you don't have those capacities and you're not doing that I think that really starts to really impact in so many um, really challenging ways. Yeah, so Danny, what, what about you? What are some of your experiences with mental health personally? It's funny, isn't it? Like I kind of feel like as, as a person with a disability, there's this weird like stigma, like either like your life is, you're not able to live a meaningful life and, and, and questions around, oh, I could never do that or that's so bad. So there's this extreme that your life has no value to then, mm. oh, you're just such a superhero because you've overcome so much. Um, they're these like weird extremes and so I feel like as a young person dealing with a disability I kind of went through all those things and as an athlete um, excelling in a, in a ton of different areas that I've worked really hard but when I was struggling with mental health um, when it was quite poor and I was finding myself being in states of anxiety and even panic attacks when I spoke about those it was like well surely that's not happening for you because you've overcome so much and it's hard because that stigma kind of stops you from being able to um, empower yourself to reach out to the, to the organisations and to your community and to the people that you know who can actually support you through those times. And I've had to work really hard to back myself, to, if, if, to know myself, to, to understand when um, those red flags in my own behaviour and, and, my, and my mental thoughts and my mind um, to kind of see them early enough so that I can kind of pick up on them and then be able to reach out uh, earlier than, than I probably did when I was a kid and I didn't know how to do those things. And 
um, that stigma is huge. So I've worked really hard on those things and, and now I'm really grateful that I've got a great community around me that I'm able to speak to openly and honestly. Um, even within my sporting team, like we've, we've created a really um, beautiful team there that um, supports that vulnerability, allows you to, to be really honest and open about where you're at so that we can all kind of grow from that experience and, and that allows us to really reach for the best in ourselves. It's, it's been a real journey um, but I feel like I'm in a good place with it even though those struggles are daily and we're constantly working on it but at least I know I have the tools now. Yeah, yeah for sure. And you touched on then sport community and, and purpose um assist you on your journey what support is out there specifically for others with disability what is it about finding those purposes themselves or what organizations can can assist them in that yeah look i think that's a real key isn't it like the purpose like you need to find your reason to set an alarm in the morning and i think there's lots of um there's lots of support in order to do that and um the role of the community, I think, is a big one, is is knowing your passion and being able to um, be empowered to go and actually explore that and w- whatever that is, you know, whether that's arts, education, advocacy, dog parks, like sport obviously is a part of it. But, you know, when you're actually starting to look at places to um, uh, support you in your mental health, I think that's a big problem is that there's not a lot of specialised services that kind of work with people with disability and Certainly that's what we're finding within our community, the sporting community, and and we've kind of worked really hard to create um, people within that who have some lived experience, either as someone with a disability, kind of providing those services, um, or at least have experience with disability, and that's a big part of it. Um, You do a bit of a a look online, you can see that there's an organisation called Wellways Australia, and and certainly they're the only one that I kind of found that we're actually doing work that we're working with mental health and, and people with disability out in the community, but there's not a lot of them. And I think that's a really big part of the issue. Mm. Patrice, back to you. You were talking earlier about, you know, some of the signs that people experience when they're getting poor mental health. It's how, if I, if you see someone and you think, Oh, he's drinking a bit more than normal, or he doesn't seem like he's himself. What, what can we do? Can you go up, instead of just saying, are you okay? It's not sort of something where you can physically see they've cut themselves and suggest going to see a doctor if you try to get where I'm coming from. Yeah, absolutely. And I think uh, it's interesting with the um, are you okay because I'm really loving their latest ads. I don't know if you guys have seen them, but they're sort of saying what do you do when mm. um, if you ask someone are you okay and they say no. And they're sort of picking up on, you know, at the moment with what we're going through um, with the pandemic and the impact that it's having on people's lives, you know, whether it be people who are still in lockdown and feeling isolated or people who've lost their jobs or people who are feeling more anxious. Um, it's about us all having the conversation, the, having the confidence to have the conversation if the answer to that are you okay question is no. But I think in terms of the practical things that, that people can do if they're looking out for someone around them. It's so it is about picking up on if it's someone you know well, it is about picking up on do they seem different? Does something not sit not feel right? And then if that is the case, it's having the confidence to check in on them. And when you do that, you don't have to expect yourself to suddenly become a mental health expert. You just mm. have to genuinely care for them. And you don't have to have all the answers. You just really need to approach the the conversation with going and saying hey listen I've, I've noticed you don't seem yourself lately 
Do you want to have a chat about anything? And all of the research that we've done with the community when people are struggling, what they mainly want is someone to listen and show that they care rather than having all of the answers. Um, And then if people do start talking and it is really clear that they are struggling, then there's supports and services that you can direct them towards. And Beyond Blue is a great place to start. So lots of our resources are available online and then we've also got our 24-hour day, seven-day-a-week support service. Mm. Um, And just back to that point that Dan was making around um, what supports are available for people with um, disabilities from a mental health perspective, we try to ensure that all of our um, supports that we provide at Beyond Blue are as accessible as possible, but we know we can always get better at that so part of what we really want to do is keep talking to people within the community and people with disabilities about how can we get this better Um, and that's one of the reasons so we've got a partnership with Paralympics Australia which is um, how Dan and I know each other fantastic partnership and and part of the reason behind that is because we want to understand more about what this is like and how we can get our services and supports better and better so that they're as accessible as possible for people when they need them. Great. Absolutely. And you mentioned Paralympics Australia there. Danny, in 2017, uh, you were appointed the Athlete Engagement and Wellbeing Officer and Vice Chairperson of the Athlete Commission. Um, it's a really fascinating term, Wellbeing Officer. What is it exactly? Mm-hmm. Why does our Paralympian team need one, require one? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, so well-being for me is lots of things. You know, it's our financial well-being, it's our physical well-being, our mental well-being. Um, are we able to just be the best versions of ourselves on and off the field and what does that look like? And certainly within the sporting structure, um, there's a lot of awareness around these things with with a lot of athletes, um, but not necessarily with athletes with a disability. And for the most part, um, certainly in the past, in the last you know, 20-odd years, those services have not been made available to athletes with disabilities. So there's a kind of an advocacy role within that which kind of brings to light, particularly with a lot of organisations who make the bigger decisions, that when you start thinking about what welfare looks like and what wellbeing looks like, to start really considering um, athletes with a disability and and not just in generally but also some of the nuanced things that um, the challenges that athletes with disabilities and disability um, people, people with a disability in general experience. So there's a lot of learning in that and part of that is around um, it's, it's educating the people that we're working with, the people that we're training with, the people that we're um, in the just daily communities with. But it's also, um, I guess, encouraging and supporting our athletes to start reaching out. And, you know, each and every one of us live the life we live because so many people have come before us and done all of the incredible work to allow us to have the life we have. And I think we all play a role in kind of pushing that forward. So while it's encouraging athletes to reach out for the support, it's also encouraging athletes and people with a disability in general that if you're not finding the thing that you need, start creating it. You know, the thing about people with disabilities is that we're awesome at adapting. Like we're awesome about finding ways to kind of make things work. Like put a box of chocolates on the bloody top cupboard and I'll find a lot of ways to get to that <laughs> even though I'm sitting in a wheelchair, you know, like there's we're legends at adapting. So I think if you're not finding the thing that you need, it's important to go out and really advocate for yourself and for others. And I think that's the best thing we can do. You know, you know you've got a meaningful life when you're 
when you're doing something that benefits yourself and other people and and we all have the capacity for that i just, i find it interesting that you you talk about adapting if i drop a tv control and i struggle for 20 minutes to try and pick it up reach it down from a power chair if someone comes in and picks it up for me in the 20 minutes i always tell them to put it back down because i'm going to find a way to do it it's it's, <laughs> totally. it's that innovation isn't it it's we we want to do it ourselves and we're going to adapt and find a way to do it yeah, hundred percent, and and that's powerful. Um, and and as I'm getting older, I'm also appreciating the value in assistance as well. Like you know, in, independence is huge, and I think that's a very powerful thing when we can live independent and rich and full lives. But I also didn't build my own wheelchair. <laughs> like I didn't build the house I live in. You know, like I appreciate that I, in order for me to live a rich and independent life, I also need to be able to rely on other people, and that's taken me a really long time to kind of appreciate that and really welcome that but I'm grateful for that so while I'll happily tell someone to sort off while I'm trying to get the biscuits at the top of the thing like if it's like way too high and I really can't do it I'm like oh my god that'd be great if you could that'd be awesome so you know it's 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 a little bit of that gratitude piece and bringing everyone along you know like I think that's a really important part of it and I think within that um Dan you know, bringing it back to the that sort of mental health perspective, I think kind of what you're talking about there and when I talked about the mental health continuum before and, you know, as what we all really aspire to is to be in that green kind of zone that I was um, mm. talking about, you know, that's where we want to be, where we're feeling really mentally well. And part of the way that we can strive to keep ourselves there is um, by creating those protective factors in our lives. So, I think, you know, that thing that Dan's talking about, about, you know, realising when you do need to reach out and doing those things like having a reason to to set the alarm so that you've got something to get up for, knowing where you can go to check in on someone if you know you are having a bad run and having that community and that sense of purpose around you, all of those things that give us great lives are also really huge protective factors for our mental health. So I think part of the message around mental health is that, you know, take it proactively because prevention is always better if you can. Yeah, nice. And ladies, our podcast is called Grow Bowl with Disability. We're kind of touching on that a little bit, but we do like to ask all our guests what growing bold means to them. And Patrice, I'm going to get you to start. Sure. Um, I really like this question. So I think for me, um, the only way to truly grow is to be bold um, and to really take on and embrace challenges and opportunities when they come your way. Um, And I think to truly realise the greatest learnings, sometimes we have to go through the greatest challenges. Um, And, you know, in my life, I don't have a disability, but I have been faced with some really big challenges that life has thrown at me along the way as life tends to do and what I've often learnt in hindsight is that the most difficult times in my life have actually provided me with the greatest opportunity for growth and so it's that boldness to be open to the opportunity um, that's important and I think that's it's not always easy but it's part of the key to living a great life. Yeah, nice. Beautiful. And Danny? Oh, growing bold. That's such a great one. I feel like I work to that every day, to be really honest. Um, And I guess currently um, table tennis is where I'm doing that. I've had a career in wheelchair tennis for 30 years and when I started playing table tennis, 
the common thought that, and people were saying it straight out to me, was that I was too old and um, and I was too set in a in a tennis mode to be able to really take this sport on. And of course, I love hearing stuff like that. <laughs> Challenge <laughs> that stuff just fuels me. <laughs> but it. it it was more than that, you know. It's being able to take on something that is very um, different and requires you to almost rewire your brain is really is a massive challenge. You you feel like you're not doing stuff well, and that's a horrible feeling. Um, being comfortable with being uncomfortable was a really massive part of that, and that's a boldness to be able to do that for me. And and right now, I'm really what I'm exploring is being okay with making mistakes, being okay with learning stuff and not getting it right the first time and being okay exploring the different parts of me and and being open to what that might look like and it's presenting some really different scenarios things that I could never have imagined but if I was listening to all of those people saying that stuff and and I was going to limit myself to who I have been and not be prepared to just explore what I could be and, and what I would like to be um, then I'd kind of still be pretty much stuck where I was so you know, being bold for me is about exploring the new stuff and really very much being um, comfortable with the uncomfortability and, and seeing what comes from that because there's some pretty exciting things there. Fantastic. That was great. Now, ladies, thank you so much for being part of this amazing podcast with us, ladies. And of course, people can get more information about Beyond Blue and about our Paralympian team in today's show notes. Danny and Patrice, thank you so much. That was fantastic today. Thanks, lads. Awesome to chat to you all. Thanks, heaps. Cheers. This podcast is brought to you by Ferros Care, an NDIS partner delivering local area coordination services in Queensland, South Australia, and the Australian Capital Territory. Ferros Care is a people care organisation committed to helping people live bolder lives. We call it Growing Bold. And for over 30 years, Ferros has been making it real for both older Australians and those living with disability. To find out more, head to ferroscare.com.au.